0: Welcome to the Evolving Accountant Podcast. We all know that some accountants can be boring, but definitely not this one. Why talk trial balances and P&L when we can get ripped jeans into the boardroom and hear business insights from people who have really walked the talk? Get ready. Here comes an all-new episode with your host, Darren Wingfield. Hi Paul and welcome to the show today. For our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, but more importantly, why you get out of bed in the morning?
1: Hi Darren, yeah, thanks for that. Well, having two German Shepherds demand a walk usually does that for me anyway. Joking apart, I'm afraid I'm one of these annoying people that generally jumps out of bed ready to take on a day's challenges anyway. I do recognise it. I'm quite fortunate that my children are all grown up now and they're flowing the coop. So I do have a lot of time to ensure I've got a good work-life balance. That wasn't always the case. I was a single parent for quite a long time and that meant I didn't have any time at all to invest in my uh, health and well-being. About six years ago, I decided to get myself fit and I've been doing that say, ever since. But I'm a big believer in if you're physically active, you know it's got to be good for your overall health. And I think that combined with the fact I'm in a role that I really enjoy and is a good fit for my nature, because I am generally like helping people all the time. That means I'm lucky enough to be in a good place right now, so when I get out of bed, you know, I've generally got a sense of purpose and something to look forward to. Cool. What's your method there, fitness, And were a cycler, a runner, or...? Well, I, I started off with running, and then I was watching one of my sons play football, and the guy there just happened to mention triathlons. Managed to get myself talked into doing triathlons, even though I couldn't swim at the time, so I've been had some swimming lessons and things, and I've Been doing Ironman's challenges for the last couple of years, but obviously with the COVID, everything like that stopped at the moment. So that's awesome,
0: that. I'm going to stop answering your phone call when now with the (laughs) people (laughs) now that I know that how you get your kicks. Just going looking back at your your career or your journey today, what has it been like? Then ultimately, till where we are today?
1: Well, I guess like probably a lot of people's, it hasn't always followed the same path and could probably have easily gone in different directions to be honest. I originally trained to be a charter surveyor actually, but when I left university it was in the early 90s in the middle of a huge property crash and interest rates were around about 10 or 11 percent and still going north. So there was no, no real jobs available for chartered surveyors, other than working in London for nothing. And I, I couldn't afford to do that at times. So. And the job market itself was fairly bleak. So I ended up taking a role for a company that I'd been working for in my summer vacations when I was at uni. And I started um, as an installer. We used to fit metal security screens to empty council houses because uh, back in the day, copper was worth some money. And, the, you know, the vandals used to get in and strip it all out, strip all the copper pipe and things like that. And it was actually, bizarrely enough, a really lucrative business in those days. So I started with those guys. And after about five years, I managed to work my way up to be the branch manager for the the northeast area and that that turned out to be a really fantastic foundation for me because I was effectively the, the manager director of a, a cost center I had full p l responsibility used to manage all the sales teams all the operations and I think the turnover was about three and a half million pounds and we employed 45 people so it's fair responsibility for it because I was still relatively young at the time and it gave me a great foundation as I say in just general I became a real generalist. You know, I used to deal with everything, HR, sales forecasting, I was, we were ever forecasting. We even had a Dragon, Dragon Den-style annual event where we had to present the budget to the senior board of directors, which was always fun. So that, that, yeah, that was great, to be fair. And, and I was actually headhunting from there to become the MD of a repairs and maintenance company. Again, we were looking in after the social housing market, and that led on to me setting my own repair and maintenance company up, and I was providing project management and the labour to actually do refurbishment of social housing. And I did that for about four or five years. That was kind of really exciting and really challenging because I learned very much about the issues around cash flow and making sure you've got cash in the bank to pay everybody else as well as yourself. No work-life balance at all when I was doing that. Um, and I literally, looking back, I probably lost about two years of my kids' lives. So I just didn't see them at all. So I took the tough decision to say enough was enough and I needed to get a kind of a proper job, if you like. So I decided I needed something a little bit more stable, and I took a role in a tech company, in a sales role. Tech was something I knew nothing about, so it was a huge learning curve for me. Uh, but one I really enjoyed, really enjoyed the challenge, and I got to work with some really great clients, it was great times there. But whilst I was there, uh, a couple of my colleagues, uh, we started kicking around the idea about setting up a software development company. So the three of us did that uh, back in 2011, and we grew it from just the three of us up to employing about... 20 people in the end. And again, had some great times there, met some great clients and had some fun times. But like everything, you know, all good things come to an end. The business got to the point where it really needed some significant investments. The other guys weren't really up for that. So we parted company the back end of last year. And I I took uh, advice from a lot of people at the time and I said, you know, you've been doing this quite a long time, take some time out, make sure you know what you want to do next before you jump in the next thing. And in retrospect, that was probably a bad decision. It's, It's probably Right in normal times, where we are right now, it didn't work out to be the best decision because by the time I got my head around what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do, COVID was still really starting to impact and the opportunities I was hoping were going to be around weren't there so much. So I found myself flying for a few roles and doing a bit of consultancy and then one day I got a call from somebody in my network who happened to tell me about the role with RTC and when I looked at it, it kind of ticked a lot of the boxes I was hoping to find when I first started looking for a role. went through the selection process and was lucky enough to get the job and find myself here today. Just
0: wanted to ask a little question around that first step into tech.
1: Yes. What, what was the, the drive or the decision behind that? I think it was a little bit was a challenge to myself because at that time I was, I was a real Luddite with technology and you know, I didn't embrace it at all. And I'll be honest now, I'm not you know, by any means a technical whiz kid. I just understand how it all kind of hangs together and I can generally explain to business owners what it means, the benefits mean to their business rather than understanding nuts and bolts of technology. But yeah, it was more uh, to get outside my comfort zone and, you know, embrace tech because I could see, you know, anyone can see technology is only going in one direction and, you know, it's just changing our lives faster and faster year on year. So it was just something I really wanted to kind of get into. And I think it was the right decision, you know, I've had a great time ever since.
0: Moving to the current role that you now have at RTC, what, what do
1: you do then? Yeah, well, so this kind of, well, my official title is Innovation Growth Advisor. So as, as the title suggests, that means I'm working with SME innovative businesses and trying to guide those guys on their journey to hopefully being successful. So the guidance we're trying to offer them tries to help them, businesses that need to recover, from COVID, hopefully start to grow their business again. And it's it's a really fun and exciting role. You know, I get to meet loads of interesting people and learning loads about the dynamic and exciting Northeast businesses that are hopefully, you know, going to create wealth and jobs for the Northeast. Cool.
0: As part of that program then, what what does it actually do?
1: Yeah, so on a daily basis, I'm speaking to these businesses about the service and, and what that entails. Uh, so we start with kind of just general inquiries then moving into signing the guys up and then we get into the kind of delivery stage and for me delivery is working generally with business around the commercial and marketing strategies and then finally we get into the bit where we have a kind of a retrospective if you like and we look back and see how we've done against the action points that we said we would start off with at the beginning of the process so it,
0: if there was a client or someone that wanted to actually learn more about the program or more importantly get the support that's available what what's sort of the process at the
1: minute we try and keep it as painless as possible for the clients obviously it's uh, public money that's uh, being invested so there is a lot of back office compliance to make sure the money's being spent wisely we try and make it very simple we have a kind of three-stage process so initial application form then we do a bit of needs analysis with the client to find out where they actually need the support and where it can be best delivered to them. We agree an action plan with them. We then move into the kind of delivery stage where we work with the guys, provide the guidance to enable them to hit those action points. And we have, say we have a final review stage where we sign off on what we said we were going to do. And how long would you expect that process? To- that can really be as, as, as long as the guys need themselves, really. It can run up to 12 months is kind of the maximum period Innovate UK will allow. And generally, it never, ever lasts as long as that. They generally turn around a lot quicker than that. But again, it just depends how much time they've got to work on their own business. You know, a lot of SMEs are so busy firefighting and fixing problems all the time. They haven't got that time to step back and take a strategic look at the business. So we try and wind our support around their timeframes. And would you say that support's always bespoke to that individual, never trying to shoehorn? Absolutely that, yeah. And one of the things with the RTC advisors is that um, we've all got our individual skill sets and we try and match the advisors to the client or the specific element that the client wants to deal with. So a client might end up with working with potentially two or three advisors from RTC. So just to deal with each individual point that was on their action plan.
0: So you mentioned some of the points that you cover. What What's the other advisors? What What's sort of their strength?
1: It can be literally anything from, you know, any aspect of a business that's wanting to improve their product or the delivery of their service. So that could be anything from, you know, wanting to access new markets, looking for funding opportunities, a review of their business plans and deciding whether maybe you need to pivot the business into a new direction, looking at supply chains, literally any any aspect of their business, we will have somebody with a skill set will be able to help them with that particular element. And
0: is that across all sectors as well?
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, generally when you look at businesses at a super high level, they've all got very similar processes anyway, you know, when, you, when you're when talking about how a business operates. So it's really, we just get into nuts and bolts of what's happening in the, the business processes. So the specific sector isn't always that important. You know, I, I kind of get dragged into a lot of digital businesses, but uh, originally, because that's kind of where I've come from the last 15 years, but I've recently been working with a lot of kind of scientists because, you know, these guys are very academic, but haven't really got a lot of commercial experience. So the fact that these are biologists, and I obviously know nothing about uh, the science behind that, but I do understand about taking their products to market. So in some instances, having the actual knowledge of their specific sectors isn't that fundamentally important.
0: Mm, it's more just understanding what them processes are like and being able to find fine-tune them for better results. Absolutely that, yeah. So, Paul, being honest, that sounds like a really good initiative and a good thing that probably a lot of clients will want. Million dollar question though, how much
1: is it going to cost them? Yeah, well that's even better news because it doesn't cost them anything, it's absolutely free at point of delivery. The only investment for them is their own time. The fund is actually paid for by Innovate UK and Innovate UK being the innovation agency for the UK and they have the responsibility for allocating public funds with the responsibility of taking new ideas and turning them into commercially uh, successful products and services. Uh, and since their inception in 2007, Innovate UK have actually invested something like £2.5 billion, which sounds obviously a huge amount of money. But when you consider that's worked with 8,500 businesses and managed to create over 70,000 jobs and produced an estimated £18 billion to the UK's economy, when you look at it in those terms, it's an absolute no brainer, you know, not to carry on with that. And from the client's perspective, as I say, Everything we deliver is all paid for by those funding routes.
0: So everyone just needs to basically sign up now.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. If they've got, so if they've got an innovative idea and they want to help to grow the business. Yep. Let's get in touch. What do you is around the corner for yourself,
0: Paul? The next six months?
1: Yeah, I think I'm enjoying this role so much. You know, I think it's just going to be a continuation of working with these uh, you know really exciting and innovative businesses. And hopefully, helping them their journey to success, so that they can then go on and create, you know, wealth and jobs for the northeast, because that, that's what the programme's all about.
0: Going back to Paul of many moons ago, what was that one thing that you wish you had known when you'd started out on your journey?
1: Oh, that's obviously a stinker of a question, and that's kind of like what's your greatest weakness in an <laughs> interview-type question. And and to be fair, I would say rather than one, I think there was probably two. If, I, if I'm going to be brutally honest. And the first one relates to when I was at school and college, I did reasonably okay, but I could have done a whole lot better if I hadn't invested so much time in sport and socialising after sport. And I wish I'd understood the, you know, this concept about surrounding people who you'd like to be like, effectively. If I had been more aware of that, I think I would have probably tried to fit in more with the um, the more academic groups that were around. And I'm sure that would have kick-started my if uh, to want to be more ambitious further on my journey than actually did. And the other one that is kind of interlinked to that is the whole networking thing. And I, I didn't really get networking that much until probably about 20 years ago. And, and when I say networking, I'm, I'm not talking about going to a few meetings and having a cup of coffee and boring people with your elevator pitch. I'm talking about, you know, actually getting to know people and going out of your way to help people so that ultimately they might do the same for you, you know, return a favour of you at some point in the future. And that, that kind of network is incredibly invaluable in business, and not just in terms of creating opportunities, but it's also as a, as a support mechanism as well, you know, when, when you're up against it. And, and I would say, you know, for those people who unfortunately have been made redundant by COVID, and unfortunately there's going to be more of them along the line, you know, with all this uncertainty, I would say those people who don't be afraid to reach out to your network, that you've established over the years because unfortunately that old adage is still very true you know it's just about just as much about what you know as who you know who's going to get you in front of the right people to get those right you know your next role so you know please don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help
0: going on the network inside things and obviously not your tea coffee and biscuits one but building your professional network because what would you say you Top tips for anyone that wants to do that are
1: you kind of align yourself to people a bit like yourself, don't you? So you soon kind of work out who you think people who are willing to invest in you as as much as you're willing to invest in them. You know, most people who've been to a networking event will have seen the guy that runs around the room and gives out you know probably a hundred business cards, adds no value to anybody. Just do get attuned to the kind of people who are there to actually learn and listen to what you've got to offer and they will try and open doors for you. And likewise, you return the favor of them. They're the really people that you want to try and latch onto, to and, and I say invest the time in building that long-term business relationship because these things don't happen overnight, you know. People have got to get to know, like and trust you before they're going to open up you to talk to their clients.
0: Yeah, definitely. So one of our key mottos or core values that we adhere to at Harlan's is that we love to learn. What I want to know now is how you learn or where you take your advice from.
1: Well, I have to admit, I'm not the avid reader that I used to be. I kind of fell out of that habit a little bit when the kids were small and kind of reading all the uh, <laughs> Tom's a Tank books and not you know, the strategy ones. But I, I still do um, enjoy reading, and I, but I've got probably got a bit more of an eclectic taste than I used to have. I do like to keep up to date with all the kind of recent uh, most recent strategies and things, so the stuff that Eric Reese has been doing on uh, lean strategies and startup you know, that, that's, that's really interesting. But I've always always considered myself not to be a creative type of person, so I've been getting drawn into think- books around that kind of field, which is a bit strange. But I've kind of just finished one book called Steal Like an Artist, which kind of argues the point that there's nothing new in the world, really, and it's just a matter of People repurpose things with their own perspective on things. And then that's led me on to a book I'm currently reading called A Beautiful Constraint. And that kind of examining things that we perceive as restricting us from being able to do something can actually be a good leverage to make us be more inventive. One of the examples they're talking about is the, the CEO of Nike approached a very small-fledging marketing company and gave them the brief that he wanted their marketing, marketing to not smell Look or feel like any kind of advertising, so that you know obviously turned everything on the head for these guys, and anything they thought about the new had to be thrown in a bin and start from scratch and obviously, the result was we 've seen some of the most fantastic and disruptive marketing we 've ever seen for years and years, and interestingly actually the, the principles in that book do kind of align themselves to some of the stuff in the the lean strategies that Reese talks about, you know so there are some interesting dynamics on that so. That's kind of my reading stuff. I was doing a lot on kind of podcasts when I was driving around in my car a lot. And obviously Harlan's was my go-to listening podcast, but also stuff on TED Talks. You know, I find them really interesting because you can find yourself listening about one subject and suddenly you get drawn into something totally different on a different tangent, but just learn loads of different stuff. Unfortunately, again, with COVID, I'm not driving around so much, so I haven't been doing that so much lately, but perhaps I'll start doing that when I'm out running a bit more pick that up again but I also take a lot of advice and guidance from my network you know if I do have a problem or anything or an issue that I want to I do reach out to people that I've known for a while now and one guy in particular I've actually known him since school probably my best mate I would say but he's also a fantastic fantastic mentor for me and he keeps me completely grounded through the highs and the lows to be fair. Awesome I think
0: just going back to your point there about the Nike and the brief and the it instantly as soon as you started talking about that It made me think of two things. So the first one was Shoe Dog, the book by all about the Nike owner as well. So that was a good one that I've got. Obviously, I'm a complete trainer obsession (laughs) fanatic as well. And most of them are Nike. So it was instantly, oh, Nike tick on a book. Let's buy that. The second bit was around where you were talking about that marketing and creative briefs. And the one that always sticks in my mind is the Coca-Cola one. Where they yeah. went to their marketing agency and said, Design this bottle, but we want you to, it the bottle to be able to be identified if it's broken or a hundred pieces on the floor, or that it's at night it at night. And then that's obviously where there's such the unique the bottle shape, the colour and everything came from. That that's how that became so identifiable. A lot of the inspiration always comes from how good you brief. Yeah. <laughs> is probably or, or what do you actually want from that task is
1: and, and as this book argues it's about the constraints that within that brief you know making it so difficult meals you have to have an agile team to kind of think outside the box and, and i say that's where it kind of ties back into the, the, the lean startup type theories mm, awesome so final one if someone wants to find out more
0: about yourself more about the mentoring program What's the best place and best, best ways to get in touch with yourself, Paul?
1: Yeah, again, I'm, I am very busy with all the stuff I do, kind of keep myself fit and active and stuff like that. So I don't do tons on social media, but I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn's a fantastic resource. Uh, it's a great way to find out information around people, but also start to build up those business relationships. And it also in terms of your question mentioned about learning, you know, it's a great resource as well. If you just want to read up some sk- on some skills or something like that. There's loads of stuff on LinkedIn. So if anybody does want to connect with me on LinkedIn, always happy to take an invite. But I would say, if you do connect, please follow up. You know, I don't see the point of having 5,000 connections if you're never going to speak to any of them. You know, it's, it's there to build relationships, so please do. Information about Innovation Growth Service itself uh, or my contact details, just head over to the RTC North website. It's all on there. Or, you know, just pick up the phone, and myself or one of my colleagues would be more than happy to talk someone through what the process looks like.
0: Thanks for your time today, Paul. It's been great finding find out more about yourself and more about the programme. Appreciate you taking the time
1: out. No, appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to bore you all to death about me.
0: <laughs> Speak soon. Take care. Cheers, Thanks for listening to The Evolving Accountant. You can find out more and get show notes for this and all our other episodes at theevolvingaccountant.co.uk.